Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I don't normally read a scripture, but this is on my heart. I'm going to read this before I pray, please. This is out of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I want to encourage you that in this tumultuous lives that we're living. I mean, some of our lives are very calm, and yet we feel the waves of tumult out here. Take shelter and refuge in the shadow of the Almighty. Make certain that you know where your dwelling place is. Father, we do praise and thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that you have an appointment with in this church today in this building. You've called us, each and every one of us here. You have appointed this time to speak to our hearts. We want to proclaim now that we want to dwell in the presence of the Almighty under the shadow of your wings, being cared for by our Heavenly Father and knowing that our refuge and our strength is in you. And we praise you, Lord, for this time. We thank you that uh, Pastor Ray has uh, something to bring to us. We thank you for the music team. We pray that each and everything that we do here this morning would be a blessing unto you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You know, I love it when uh, Linda would say the word shadow. Um, because as we think about the shadows, uh, we think about the sunshine and the contrast 
And as we um, are in this day of warrings, let us be the sunshine to reach the darkness so that Christ would, would be exalted. Sunshine and shadow. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. All the pieces of the painting contain both light and shadow. By them, the artist highlights certain features of his or her subject. They provide contrast and harmony to reveal beauty or character. A happy life is not only one that's filled with sunshine, but one that uses both light and the shadow to produce beauty. Suffering or persecution can become a blessing because they can form a backdrop for the radiance of a Christian's life. The greatest physicians, as a rule, are those who know how to bring song out of sadness. Fanny Crosby, her spirit aglow with faith in Christ, saw more with her sightless eyes than most of us do with normal vision. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. He gave us some of the great gospel songs that cheer our hearts and fill our lives. Paul and Silas sang a song of praise at midnight in a rat-infested jail cell. Their feet in stocks their backs raw from the jailer's whip, but their patience in suffering and persecution led the conversion of the hardened prison warden and his family. Don't despise the shadows that God brings into your life. He can produce them, he can use them to produce a masterpiece. And the hope for today there's a Chinese art of mending broken pottery by filling the cracks with gold or silver. The mended piece is often more beautiful than the original. God takes our brokenness and makes something beautiful.
Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name.
Good morning. All right, I wanted to read today from uh, 1 Peter 2, 5 through 6. And then I'm also going to read from uh, 1 Kings because um, it's an affirmation and an encouragement to us. And now you have become living building stones for God's use in building his house. What's more, you are his holy priests. So come to him, you who are acceptable to him because of Jesus Christ, and offer to God those things that please him. As the scriptures express it, see, I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen, precious cornerstone of my church, and I will never disappoint those who trust in him. And the women's Bible study has been studying uh, 1 Kings, and um, this is uh, an affirmation to that scripture. Um, So this is 1 Kings 6. Um, First, I'm going to read 7 and then 11 and 12. The stones used in the construction of the temple were pre-finished at the quarry, so the entire structure was built without the sound of hammer, axe, or any other tool at the building site. And this is uh, Solomon's temple. Then the Lord sent this message to Solomon concerning the temple he was building. If you do as I tell you to and follow all of my commandments and instructions, I will do what I told your father David I would do. I will live among the people of Israel and never forsake them. Thanks be to God. And join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and for this opportunity to come before you to pray, to pray for the needs of this church, those people that are on our prayer page, for unspoken requests, and for all those who are attending church today. May your will be done in each of these lives and these circumstances. I specifically, we specifically pray and lift up um, our church, Desert Gardens, for your wisdom and for the forgiveness of, our, forgiveness of our sins. I thank you and praise you, Father God, that we can come to you and ask these things and um, trust you that you, that you, that you heal, that you comfort, that you strengthen. Um, I just thank you and praise you, and I ask all of this in your son's holy, magnificent name, Jesus Christ, amen. Good morning. Have you heard of Malachi? Yeah. <laughs> going to read the, from the third chapter of Malachi. So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. (laughs) Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before, before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spares his own son who serves him. 
then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Would you like to say the Lord's Prayer with me? Would you stand, please? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
our gospel scripture today <clears throat> comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a, ma of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Will you join us in our responsive reading? God of justice and peace, from the heavens you rain down mercy and kindness that all on earth may stand in awe and wonder before your marvelous deeds. Raise our heads in expectation that we may yearn for the coming day of the Lord and stand without blame before your Son, Jesus Christ. 
who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, owner of all, who have given each one of us certain talents, certain abilities, certain gifts. Lord, let us all strive to use them in a way that multiplies them to please you and that can further your kingdom. Lord, we ask that other gifts that we give, we know you call us to give back and there's many ways to give. But on the, the gifts that are given today, we ask that, th that they be pleasing to you, that they be blessed and that they can be used to let others come to know what we know, that being part of your family is the greatest gift that we could ever hope for. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. My sermon this morning is a question. What makes God smile? Or living in the Psalms. My text this morning is Psalm 63. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the rain you have sent. And like your word, we ask you to send your word this morning to nourish our souls. And we claim your promise that when you send your word, it will not return to you void. We ask you to send your word this morning to bless us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. Speak to us from your heart of hearts, Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Slide one, please. From James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In the King James Version of the Bible, the word religion is used only five times. In the entire Bible, only five times. In the overall context of Scripture, it is very clear that God hates religion. More specifically, religiosity. In simplest terms, religiosity is when you don't practice what you say you believe. Said another way, God doesn't want your good habits or your good works unless he has your heart. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus rebukes the church at Ephesus by saying this, I know your good works and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. But I have this complaint against you. Your religion is all pretenses. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Your heart is no longer belongs to me. Repent and turn back to me. 
if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand from among my churches. That's a pretty dire warning to us. And we need to recall that Jesus is speaking to the church here, not outsiders. Religiosity is a sin. Religiosity is all about doing rather than being. Doing good works because we believe God expects this. But it's the being that is important to God. Being present to him in a genuine and authentic relationship. Being attentive to his presence in your life. <clears throat> and how do you know if you're being attentive to God? Analyze your prayer life. If you keep offering up to God the same old tired prayers, this is not being attentive to God. It's religiosity. Real prayer is dialogue with God. He speaks, we answer. Matthew 6, verse 7, from the Living Bible. Don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do, who think prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. Remember, your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask. Nothing hinders a robust prayer life and real fellowship with the Lord Jesus than failing to acknowledge his sovereignty in your life. Slide two, please. Psalm 100. Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Obey him gladly. Come before him singing with joy. Try to realize what this means. The Lord is God. He made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Go through his open gates with great thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Note this psalm says nothing about good works. It's all about a mindset of praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving creates a chemical change in your brain. It's called joy. When you live with a mindset of praise and thanksgiving, your good works will be a byproduct of your life in Christ. And that byproduct will be as natural as sunshine. But do not dare to ask God for anything before you offer him praise and thanksgiving for what he's already done. And speaking of mindsets, here's the most important mindset of all. Slide three, please. Hebrews 11.6 from the New King James. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Note that superlative. Impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder 
of those who diligently seek Him. If you want to be rewarded with the answer to your prayers, diligently seek Him. This means sit in His presence and simply enjoy His presence. You see, biblical record is very clear that those caught up in religiosity aren't at all concerned about diligently seeking God. They're all about doing and not being. Being attentive to God is not their purview. When you're caught up in religiosity, you're caught up in pretense. You're caught up in lip service. And actually, you're caught up in ignoring God and calling it worship. You say to yourself, let me bend a knee, mutter a five-second prayer, make the sign of the cross, and I'm good to go. Excuse me. Someday I'll get one of those ear things. and <clears throat> Do not offend God with your drive-by devotional life. God doesn't want your habits. He wants your heart. We recently studied about the life of Enoch. So let me ask you, what did you learn? You'll recall that Enoch walked so closely with God that one day, God just took him home. Enoch never died. Did you notice there's very little said about Enoch other than the fact that he walked closely with God? There's no list of Enoch's accomplishments. Yet he is listed in the book of Hebrews in the roll call of the heroes of faith. This should tell you three things. Enoch. Please God. Number two, Enoch made God smile. Number three, walking closely with God is the only good works he is truly concerned about. And why is that? Because when we walk closely with God, we inhale his majesty. And then in turn, we exhale obedience to his word. You cannot produce works that bring glory to God without walking closely with him. And there's no such thing as quality time with God. There's only time with God. God uses only one measure for your life and that measure is time. How much time are you willing to spend with me? C.S. Lewis called it the eternal now. Your eternity started the moment you were born. And your now is the most important part of your eternity. Being present to God is the most important part of your now. How you spend your now will determine the rest of your eternity. Time with God should not be part of your daily to-do list. It should be instinctive, something you look forward to. It should be the best part of your day. Slide four, please. Psalm 63 from the message. God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you.
I've worked up such a hunger and thirst for you, God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. It's time to shout praises. And if I'm sleepless at midnight, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. Do you do that? Or do you just look at the ceiling and say, why can't I get to sleep? Try offering up praise and watch how fast you get to sleep. Because you always stood up for me. I'm free to run and play. I hold on to you for dear life and you hold me steady as a post. I hunger and thirst for God. To have a hunger and thirst for God means you have a hunger and thirst for life. I've worked up a hunger and thirst for God traveling across dry and weary deserts. Dry and weary deserts is a metaphor for life. Have you ever realized how much poetry is in the Bible? If you never seem to be content, if you never seem to be at peace, if worry is your food and drink, if you're constantly expecting the other shoe to drop, guess what? You're traveling across a desert called life. And a hunger and thirst, what you feel is a hunger and thirst for God. And how do you satiate that hunger and thirst? It's called communion with God. It's called fellowship with God. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. Communion with God is worship, and worship is fellowship with God. So where's your place of worship? Your place of worship is wherever and whenever you decide. Romans 12.1. We read this last week from the message. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. How often do we take a portion of our ordinary day and offer it up to God as a sacrifice of praise? And why do we call it a sacrifice praise because our lives are far too busy and taking time out for God feels like a sacrifice when we finally slow down long enough to focus on God and thank him for his grace and provision it sometimes feels like a sacrifice but it's a sacrifice we should be happy to make Anything you do in the course of your day that allows you to kick your mind out of gear and focus on God, that is communion with God. There's a book you need to add to your spiritual reading list. And by the way, 
If you don't have a spiritual reading list, you need to get one. Spiritual reading should part, be part of your daily devotional life. And here's a good one for you. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's a compilation of the writings of a Carmelite monk named Brother Lawrence. He was a monastic monk in 17th century Paris. The book details how to simply and beautifully walk with God every hour of the day. Brother Lawrence said this, I am convinced that in the kitchen, I can possess God in as great tranquility as if upon my knees at the blessed sacrament of the altar. His fellow monks recorded that Brother Lawrence always maintained a constant dialogue of prayer to God, whether he was washing dishes, mopping the floors, or tending the garden. A constant dialogue with God. That's our goal. Now back to Psalm 63. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. Let me ask you this. In your walk with Jesus Christ, can you honestly say, in your generous love, I'm living at last? Can you honestly say, I've never been more content in my life, Lord. You have blessed me beyond measure. When's the last time you said that? Can we put our busy lives on hold long enough to acknowledge God as the loving Father He truly is? How do we do this? We discipline ourselves. We train ourselves to be mindful of His presence. Our God is omnipresent, everywhere present. Everywhere present to us, but are we present to him? Slide five, please. Everywhere present. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning and dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Can I hear an amen? You read this passage of Scripture, and before you can swallow it and get it down into your heart, Satan's saying, no, nah, that, that promise is not for you. You're not God's elite. Acts 10, verse 28. God is no respecter of persons. Therefore, you indeed are his elite. God is no respecter of persons. What's that mean? It means God will provide to each and every one of you all the blessings of his salvation, all the benefits of his grace and mercy. 
And all you have to do is believe. And then pass it on. You don't have to look for opportunities to serve God. If your heart is open, He will throw them at you faster than you can catch. Linda, Kathy, Ladane, and myself visited Goshen Ministries last Sunday afternoon. Along with several others, we received a tour of the property. And there's a church squarely in the middle of the campus. What struck me most about our tour was listening to the worship. We caught the tail end of their three o'clock service and our group assembled just outside the church. They gave us some details of how the campus, how the ministry operates. We were about 50 feet outside the church underneath a mesquite tree. And as the tour guide gave us a, a summary of the ministry, I could hear singing. Robust, heartfelt, spirit-led singing. It moved my soul. It moved me to tears. I could have listened for hours. And even though they were singing in French, most of these people are from the Congo. They know French and they know Swahili. Not a whole lot of English. So they're singing in French. My spirit was lifted to heaven by the effectual fervent prayer in song. These people are very familiar with suffering. Why does God allow so much suffering in the world? Because suffering tempers our souls. It melts away the dross from our hearts. I have an affinity for Africans, especially those who have fled persecution and genocide. Some groups, especially those of African descent, seem to instinctively know how to worship. They have a reckless abandon in their worship. It's full tilt. It's all or nothing. No hesitancy, no reservation whatsoever. Heart and soul. It's as if they're wired by God with special receptors to sense His presence. At my last trip to Israel, our tour group was touring Old Jerusalem. We followed a group from Tanzania into a very old Christian church. The Tanzanians headed straight for the altar. And guess what they did? They encircled it and they started singing Amazing Grace, heart and soul. The vast majority of the tourists inside the church ceased their conversations and picture taking and joined in. It's beautiful. All the others were awestruck, perplexed. It was like they were saying to themselves, oh, well, yeah, I guess this is what people do in church. They were shocked. Praise and worship offered up to God changes your heart. It changes your focus. It tunes your soul to radio Jesus. And like St. Paul, it can catch you up to the third heaven 
where you behold the magnificence of Almighty God. God inhabits the praises of his people. If you want God's attention, just offer up some heartfelt praise. There is no happenstance with God. It is no accident that Pastor Frank has introduced us to this opportunity to serve these refugees. And that's exactly what it is, an opportunity. I hope we see it no other way. There are larger churches already involved in this ministry, but we're right next door. We're a stone's throw away. God is very intentional. He doesn't need our help. But by his grace, he has opened a door for us to minister to these people. And when I say God is very intentional, that's exactly what I mean. He hasn't opened this door to bless them. He's opened this door to bless us. What makes God smile? Taking care of the widow, the orphan, the homeless, and the refugee. God has extended us the privilege of joining him in what he is doing right here in Tucson. Don't mean to embarrass you, Robert, but if you've met Robert, some of you know his story. He wandered by our church this past Tuesday, came in seeking help, and received Christ into his heart. He's looking for a family. We're a family. So we have the privilege to embrace Robert and help him on his way. We also have an opportunity to help Goshen Ministries. God is lining up opportunities for us to see if we're willing to practice what we say we believe. Do you realize that God has gifted us with the ability to bless his name? God gifted us with the ability to make him smile. What happens when you bless the Lord? Heaven comes down. Slide six, please. Psalm 103 from ESV. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. That's a promised claim. How often do you read the Psalms? The Psalms is our prayer book. The Psalms teach us how to pray. You don't think you pray well? Read more Psalms. You'll learn how to pray very, very well. Read a Psalm a day for a month. I challenge you. Read a Psalm a day for a month. 
and watch your relationship with God deepen. You can't read the Psalms without launching into a prayer. Your soul will automatically respond to God's Word. I challenge you. Try to read a couple of Psalms and not want to pray. Do you feel awkward when you try to set aside a time to pray? Do you feel like you need a pass key to enter God's presence? Remember, your God is omnipresent everywhere present to you. You don't need a passkey, but there is a protocol that will guarantee your access to his throne room. It's Psalm 100. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Why should we bless his name? For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Communion with God is really simple when we take the time to do it. He grants us marvelous blessings when we take the time to do it. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's not hyperbole. It's not a fanciful exaggeration. That's a promise for you to keep, to claim. If you're not living in perfect peace, then your mind is not stayed on God. And chances are excellent you're not in the Word. Proverbs 3.6 In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. It's not a suggestion, that's a promise. Get in the habit of acknowledging God every moment of your day. When you roll out of bed and your feet first hit the floor, say, good morning, Jesus. Thank you for another day. Thank you for another beautiful day, a chance to worship you in spirit and in truth. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, thank you, Lord Jesus, for protecting guiding me through the day. God smiles when our thoughts turn to him. He loves a heartfelt thank you. God smiles when we get beyond just thinking of others and actually do something for them. We studied this scripture last week. Slide 7, please. Isaiah 58, 7 through 10. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Sometimes they're the most difficult to help. God puts relatives in our lives to test our mettle. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. God's got your six. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. He will say, yes, I'm here. And he will quickly reply. 
There's another promise for you. Paste that one on your refrigerator door. This is what makes God smile. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. You might remember a few weeks ago I said it wouldn't be happy until we had a whole row full of homeless people. We've got to start. We've got to start. God sent Robert here for us to manifest what we say we believe. So let's do a good job. Jesus was a homeless person. Think about it. He said of himself, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He understands persecution, hate, hostility, despair. He lived it. Matthew 25, Jesus says this, speaking of his second coming, when I come in my glory, and all my angels with me, I will sit upon my throne and all the nations shall be gathered before me. And I will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And I will place the sheep at my right hand, the goats on my left. Who are the goats? Those who have ever refused Christ's love and forgiveness. And then I shall say to those on my right, Come you blessed of my Father into the kingdom prepared for you from the founding of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was a stranger and you invited me into your homes. Naked and you clothed me. Sick and in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord Jesus... When did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you as a stranger and help you? Or in need of clothes and clothe you? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And I will tell them, when you did it to these my brothers, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. We get a chance to live that out. We have a significant homeless problem in this city. And I know most of us are hesitant to help the ones we see on the street corners at the uh, entrance to Walmart. Because we know most of them are either drug addicts or mentally ill or both. It's not wise to try to help most of the people you see on the street unless you're trained or unless God speaks to your heart to do so. And he will. I promise you he will. The question is, will you be listening? But guess what? There's a small neighborhood very near our church and these people are homeless because they're refugees. They are legal immigrants, and most are here because they're fleeing genocide. And these people are not addicts. They are not mentally ill. Goshen Ministries is an opportunity for us to live out the gospel we say we believe.
to live it out beyond these four walls. You don't need training to help these people. You don't need training to help Robert. All you need is a heart for what God is doing and a willingness to serve. God is beginning to open doors for us to serve those who he wishes to help, those who he wishes to save. So are we going to step up and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Or are we going to continue to tell ourselves that singing hymns on Sunday morning and listening to a sermon is all he respects, all that he wishes from us? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be a part of what you are doing here in this, your world. Here in the southeast side of Tucson. Here in this neighborhood. Help us see it for what it is, Lord. This is a privilege you're extending to us. You don't need our help. You'll save the entire world if we'll just get out of your way. If we'll just do what you ask us to do. So help us, Father. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Give us your courage, your love, your compassion. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. For my benediction this morning from E.H. Peterson. This is going to sting a little bit. The great danger of Christian discipleship is thinking that we need to have two religions. A glorious biblical Sunday gospel that sets us free from the world, that in the cross and resurrection of Christ makes eternity alive within us. A magnificent gospel of Genesis, Romans, and Revelation. And then we have an everyday religion that we make do with during the week. We save the Sunday gospel for the big crises of our existence. But for the mundane trivialities, we use the everyday religion of advice from a friend, a fanciful quote we found on Facebook, or the huckstered wisdom of a talk show host. We practice medicine religion. We know that God created the universe and has accomplished our eternal salvation. But we can't believe that he condescends to watch the soap opera of our daily lives, our trials and tribulations. So we purchase over-the-counter remedies for that. To ask God to deal with the troubles we face each day is like asking a famous surgeon to put iodine on a scratch. But the same faith that works in the big crises of life works in the little things too. The God of Genesis who brought light out of darkness is also the God of this and every day. The God who guards you from every evil. Can I hear an amen? Blessings to you all. Mm -hmm.
Peace.